Welcome to another edition of Lamenting the Leafs, where we have much to discuss. Uh, but the primary topic here the last few weeks has been the goaltending, and Eric Schalgren has made his debut. He has not disappointed thus far. Uh, one relief appearance and a shutout in his first start. Nick, uh, our last episode, we kind of had to loop back around because of the, the news about the injury to Jack Campbell. Um, we'll talk about Peter Morazic in a little bit. Uh, let's let's focus on the positive for now. Um, Shalgren's just been very solid. Yeah, I think you know, like the the guys on the team have kind of and Sheldon Keefe himself have said it. Like he's just kind of providing a calming presence back there, and it's a it's a welcome change to what we've seen over the last couple of months, especially you know the last few weeks in particular. Uh, I know you said we'd talk about Mrazic later, but it's almost impossible to talk about Shalgren without mentioning Mrazic because it, it's his complete lack of ability to stop a puck that has put Shalgren in this position. Uh, Sheldon Keefe said it. It's a tough game to play when you're constantly pulling the puck out of your net. Uh, I think that's a pretty damning quote when you're – if you're pre- Peter Mrazic, that's, that can't be a good feeling, but – it, it probably wasn't a great feeling for him to sit there on the bench and watch Shalgren pick up a shutout in his first start either, but it sure felt good watching it from the couch. Yeah. <laughs> that game was uh, like therapeutic after what we've been through in recent weeks. Um, yeah, d- really great moment. Uh, I think that's one of those things that I think a fan of any team can appreciate when you see a, a kid come in and get his chance and really take advantage of it like that. And it's just a great moment. Uh, hoping that he can keep it rolling on Thursday night when he gets his second start. He just looked more and more steady as the game went on too, even from his like his his uh, his original like relief appearance and stuff like that. And I mean, I don't. I feel like we don't have to caveat this by saying that us getting excited about an unknown goaltender that comes in and has a shutout in his debut. We, we don't think that he's like going to run with the rest of the year and become, you know, go on a, a heater and become a savior and, and fix everything. But maybe, but we can enjoy, we can, <laughs> but, right. But maybe every, absolutely everything's possible, but that also doesn't mean that we can't enjoy what happened last night. Like that's what sports is all about. Like that's, you know, like that's a storyline. That's a, an amazing moment in, in, you know, the, the season for the Leafs. So I'm, yeah, I mean, he, he looked awesome. You could tell, like I, it say what you want about, you know, the, the, the team in front of the goaltender and stuff like that. Like you could see it was a different effort level. Like, I mean, they just looked like they really gave a damn for the guy too. Like they, there was every attention to detail, like, you know, and they played well defensively in front of Mrazic too. I mean, that's another point that we can get into later, but they just had that extra level of like commitment to, to kind of all of the details to make sure that, you know, he got his first shutout. And like the stars really kind of threw the, the phone book at him, right? Like there was a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, rushing the net, crowding the crease going on, especially early in the game. And, and he withstood that. And like you said, just he had to battle early on. That, that was one. not your routine shutout by any means. No. And I mean, especially in the third period, you know, Dallas was was peppering him and he made some really, really solid stops. So, um, yeah, I mean, you've kind of seen everything that you wanted to see so far from him. And and um, I, I think that you, you can't overstate, you know, in hockey. Like I, I try not to get into too much of like the amateur psychology 
psychology and trying to get into the heads. You can't get into the heads of the guys, right? But I think that in hockey, like we can all agree, there is no worse feeling. There's nothing that permeates the team and affects everyone more so than having a guy you just do not trust between the pipes. And that's what we've, I feel like you have to factor that in to some extent. The Leafs obviously haven't looked great, but man, it wears on you. And Peter Morazic has been miserable. Like we're at the point where I'm, I'm thinking he's getting Enrothed. You know, <laughs> Enroth got Enroth in much less dire circumstances. So I, I'm just wondering what the next step is here with with Peter Morazic. Well, it's hard to imagine Shalgren doing anything that would make it justifiable to give Morazic another start before Campbell comes back. Right. Like, I know we're probably projecting a lot and we're riding high off of his first start and the shutout against the Stars. But you, you just need a guy who's going to stop some pucks, and it, it's a low bar, yeah. but Shogren has cleared it so far. So if if Mrazek's not getting the job done, and he sure as hell hasn't, he, he's received ample opportunity. I know it, it's been tough for him. He missed most of last season. He was injured to begin this year. Probably hard for him to you know get his feet under him and get rolling, but this team can't afford to continue to allow points to slip away simply because of not even mediocre goaltending. It's not even close to NHL level. It's probably not American League or East Coast League level the way that he's played. So, yeah, you, you roll with the kid who's stopping the pucks for now. Yeah, like I'm, Again, like I just kind of alluded to before, like it's not like they're playing bad defensively. And I know that expected goals against is not, you know, the absolute gospel or anything like that, but it's directionally accurate. And the fact that since since the this kind of slide started in January they're fifth in expectacles against per 60 so like I could see if they were like 29th and they started getting this kind of goaltending and I, I it's just it's too big of a gap to not be easily point pointed at what's happening in the crease and and that's that's what you don't need that. Like, I don't need to have looked that up to know that Mrazic was shitty. <laughs> like, you just had to watch the game yeah. and see him, like, blockering pucks onto guys' sticks that were going wide. But it's, 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 a, it's a lot more damning when you have the kind of quantifiable evidence that the five guys in front of him at any given time are playing pretty damn good defensively. It's just it, – it makes them look worse when every single chance they give up goes into the back of the net. I don't watch a Colorado Avalanche game. They give up scoring chances, chances like good teams give up, you know, a dozen chances or whatever. Like it's going to happen. They just six of them can't go in is the issue. Yeah. And it's a league wide trend, right? Like the, it's it's down across yeah. the league. I think that I saw that the March save percentage is like 897 and it's been declining over the last few months. But uh, I mean, even by those standards, even with everyone in the league uh, kind of on a down downward trend. Peter Morazic has still come in well below league average, right? So, <laughs> yeah, you just that's all you need. Just a guy who can stop it. Yeah, field. there's 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 bad performances all over the place. And you look at like overall save percentage numbers and good goaltenders that we've, you know, like Hellebuck and Gibson and, and these guys are they're nine oh something, too. So, like, it's yeah, you're right. It's it's down across the league. But when you have played 17 games and you have an 884, that's awful. Yeah. And honestly, 
I don't even know if that 884 does justice <laughs> the to last just how yeah. bad he's been the last yeah. while. Like he is going out of his way to cause goals against the Leafs, not just not preventing them at this point. Like it, it, it's really dire straits. And I've, I, I'll ask you guys, like, do you see a, a path? For him to come back from this in Toronto, like I know it's as you said, it's been 17 games. He's got two more years left on this deal. The team's pretty invested in him, but it's just really hard to imagine him crawling out of this hole in this city for this team right now with the way things have gone. Like, what do you guys think? I put as much faith in him getting it back on track. Like, it's, I have about equal odds of him getting it back on track to being like a 908 goaltender for the duration of this contract as I do him never playing another game for the Leafs. Like, I really have no yeah. idea what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. Like, I, I could easily see this being it. Like, maybe if Shalgren struggles Thursday against Carolina, you give Mrazek Saturday against Nashville, and, and then maybe Campbell's back by the next game against the Devils on Wednesday. And, like, at that point... Uh, unless Mrazek, you know, get does get a start and turns in a gem, how could you feel comfortable? Uh, unless again, you get you find yourself in the situation where Campbell and Shalgren are injured, and you just have to go back to him. It, it's like putting Tanner Roark on the mound <laughs> right now. You know, every time the Jays roll him out there last year, you just you knew what was happening, and that's what it is with Mrazek. And like you said, I, I don't think that he's you know forever busted or anything like that. But like I said about Enroth, you know, he did a lot less. Then Morazic has done so far to to get completely yeeted off of the team, right? Yeah. And I, I think that, um, like with with Morazic, uh, it's it's like it, maybe he's still got the ability. Maybe Enroth still had the ability. He never got a chance to show it again. And Morazic has put in one of those performances that it's like no one may ever give you a chance again if if. You know, this doesn't turn around in some fashion. And, and yeah, I don't even know if he gets the opportunity. Yeah. But that's probably why the Leafs do have to give him the opportunity to some extent, right? Like they are invested in him. And if they want to be able to get off of this contract, they almost need to try and build him back up somehow. I just, uh, it's really difficult to envision that right now with the way things have gone. You don't have faith in Steve Briere? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> 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 Man, that that was the line, right? It was exactly <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was <laughs> You have to kind of hope that there's it's like I don't think there's much that he can do and the remaining whatever starts that he'll get this year to, you know, really kind of patch the reputation that he's kind of developed this year. So I you have to hope and pray that there's somebody who is going to bank on like a change of scenery slash reset the clock a little bit for him and just look at what he had, you know, his body of work for the five or six years before this and, and just kind of pretend like this didn't happen. Like that's the only way this is happening. Cause if, if he didn't have two more years left on his deal, he would have been in Roth. There's no way he'd still be on the roster right now. If he, if this was his last year or even one more year, they probably would have found a way to move him. But that extra year is going to make it pretty tough. Well then let me ask you this. Do you see any possibility of them actually throwing him on waivers? And you know, if, if someone grabs him, great but if not you send him down to the Marlies and you try to let him build it back up a bit there maybe replace him on the roster with, with a goaltender if it's not Schalgren you, you you maybe acquire a veteran option who's who can fit in under the cap you'd save by sending Mrazek to the minors and then in the summer you know depending on the goaltending market 
if he can be had for nothing but a, a late round pick or future considerations, it's almost like a, a team signing him to that two year deal. I, I don't know of what kind of market there's going to be in the summertime or anything like that, but it, it's getting to the point where I think waivers is a real possibility for this guy. Yeah. You go down, go down and write the ship a little bit in the, with the Marlies. Cause I clearly nobody's going to pick that up. You know, it's, I don't see why when when Campbell comes back why that wouldn't happen just for the unless again like again we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves with Shalgren and you know they could easily want him to go back down yeah. to the Marlies and, and play games but if you want to if Shalgren plays even okay like over nine oh five for the next two or three starts that he gets or whatever I just I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how you make that decision. That's 20 points better than what we've gotten out of Morazic, right? Like it, <laughs> that's, that's how yeah. low the bar is. Yeah, it's been a total mess. So just any kind of stability that, that Shalgren can provide here is is going to be very welcome. And, and like you said, you could just see it on the team, right? Um, yeah. Just a, a huge get-right game against Dallas uh, for nothing win for the Leafs and we haven't even gotten into who the other two games which were quite eventful in themselves um, beyond the goaltending issues <laughs> obviously Arizona you, you have a, a big comeback after Shalgren takes the net you force it to overtime uh, and we all know what happens at that point Austin Matthews like take your pick. What do you want to call it? You want to call it a hold? You want to call it a holding the stick? You want to call it a hook? Interference? Yeah. Whatever. Take your pick. Take your pick. Any number of of calls that could have been made there. And Matthews was understandably furious um, with with the officials who you know wouldn't even acknowledge his existence oh, yeah. at that yeah. point. Um, so the the frustration has has continued to build, and we'll we'll get to you know what happened in the outdoor game in a bit, but. Um, you know, I, I I don't even know how much we have to talk about about that that missed call. It was pretty pretty blatant. That, that's the thing. There's not really much for us to even talk about because it, it's not even a Homer thing. It's like immediately on the broadcast, you've got Craig Simpson, you know, losing his mind that this went uncalled. And you know, I, I think it's pretty safe to say Craig Simpson's a pretty impartial broadcaster. Um, it, it was just blatant, blatantly terrible like i don't know how that goes uncalled and it's just it's so frustrating when referees try to avoid impacting the game or influencing the outcome of the game and in turn it makes them influence the outcome of the game by not making the call so yeah there's really not a whole lot to say of it about it that's a black mark for the league i think you know it's one regular season game but it's a it's a worrying trend that's not just affecting the Leafs. We saw it a couple of nights before that in the uh, Oilers and Capitals game. You know, Ovechkin hooks Hyman when he's heading down there for an empty net. No call. And a few seconds later, Washington ties it up. That's another instance of the officials directly impacting the outcome of the game by putting their whistle in their pocket. Uh, you just want to see the rule book call. Yeah, and I'm, I'm even willing to go as far as like, you know, being a, a, like as much of like a, a hockey purist, old school kind of thing of, of like letting some stuff go in, in, in close games it's towards the end of the game, the playoffs and, 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 you know, there's a borderline play that you don't think there was any intent behind and you're, you're not going to call it. That's fine. But you, you can't not call that kind of stuff. Like that's, that's blatant. Imagine that's an overtime from, of a playoff uh, game. You, you 
I, no, like I like that's so fucking like. <laughs> oh man! It just I I can understand again letting a little bit more go. You, you somebody rides a guy out a little bit hard, maybe gets an elbow up, cross checks him a little bit. You know uh, where you would otherwise call it a penalty in the first period of a regular season game. You're gonna let that go, and you know in overtime, sure, go ahead. But like that is directly related to causing a two on one in overtime and just completely I, I don't know basically the point is you can let a little bit go um, i can live with that but the kind of absolutely outrageously blatant stuff like i just don't understand how you don't call that like might as well does not like if that's not a penalty nothing is a penalty in, in, in overtime yeah and, and the official sees that play unfolding and what it is that's happening it's shikrin trying to get it, it's you know it's such a plain thing yeah. to see it's a, it's a foot race to try and create that odd man situation the referee sees that. You can see the infraction and the intent it, it right in front of you. Yeah, it's all at once. It, it should have been a really easy call to make, but you know, I guess it wasn't. It was. I mean, and it's been it's been a mess. Like you know, not just that play, but there's been so many awful examples in recent weeks. The Ovechkin water ski in the neutral zone in that Edmonton game, yeah. man. Like I, I just. I know you mentioned it, but like I don't even know if there's anyone still playing in the league who 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 could have possibly been clamped down with one of those in its heyday. Like it, it's that far out of the history books. Yeah. That is like an early '80s, late '70s, like the water ski action. There, it's just it's crazy, and it, it's like it's like the officials think that there's some. Like, like there's some higher being that's that's gonna call that if they don't like i don't know what the what the thinking there is like do, do they think like if i don't call this like you know it, you know if this is truly a penalty strike me down and i haven't been struck down so therefore it must be clean like you're the you're the uh the authority here like there's no one else who's gonna call it if you don't and it's like they're looking around like uh, did, did i get away with like i just don't well, i don't fucking get it man it, it's it's a nightmare. You know that they walk away if they walk away from a game where they called four penalties and it's two for each game, two for each team. That's probably like they like they're like happy about that, right? Like it's yeah. it's all about that equity and and how they call a game. And and same thing like oh I you know I didn't call a penalty in, at all in the third period or overtime. Like they're probably like that's a feather in their cap, which is so dumb. But that's how it's looked at, man. Like they they don't and and that goes to what you're talking about, Nick. Like the whole thing about not impacting the game, but the. That's it's it, there's a whole other side of that conversation, which is that you have to call the things that happen or you are affecting the game. I know we, we've been talking about this since last season, like, this isn't new. We'll be talking about it next season, yeah, too. Exactly. So, what's, what's the famous line is, Oh, gotta let them play. Yeah. Well, for me, letting them play is letting Connor McDavid and letting Austin Matthews, you know, do their magic without being impeded by infractions that are in the rule book that go uncalled. Yeah. It, that's letting them play. And those are the guys that you want to let play, not fucking some third pair defenseman who needs to clamp onto a star forward just to hang on and keep his just, head just, above just water. Just to stay in the league. Yeah. 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 If your game changes entirely from the regular season to the playoffs, you're, you're affecting the game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, you're doing that. So it's like the idea that they don't want to affect the outcome. Um, 
it's it's always been ridiculous. Um, and then obviously we had the suspension to Austin Matthews. Uh, he's still got one game to serve. Uh, he'll sit against the, the Hurricanes and then he'll return to the lineup. Um, so obviously this one controversial for many of the same reasons, this many of the same issues that, you know, the league has with officiating, it has with, uh, disciplinary action, um, you know, often too lenient and always inconsistent. And, um, obviously, you know, this was, uh, this was, a, I think a thing that a lot of people just kind of pointed at. Um, you know, a lot of other incidents that were similar in nature that that went unpunished. Um, and I know you guys thought that this one was, you know, an overpunishment. Uh, I kind of disagreed on that. I, 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 but see, I think for me, like it's it's more about the consistency thing and trying to trying to just judge it on its face right like judge it for itself and not in comparison to other actions exactly like i the thing is for me like i I looked at the play i saw the hit i immediately thought that's a multi-game suspension and i didn't really think too much beyond that like i'm i'm very far past the point of making any kind of an emotional investment in a decision that's in the hands of george peros yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't bother trying to trying to draw the conclusions because I I know that I I just end up like uh, Rust Cole in his fucking um, <laughs> you know storage unit at the end of True Detective with all the fucking pinups on the wall, right? Or, or what is it, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? <laughs> like that's that's how I'm going to end up if I start looking around at every every other thing in the league that wasn't called properly. Like I looked at it like. Um, all of these other calls I thought should have been more heavily punished at the time. This is probably the right decision. Sure, it's annoying that, you know, it's it's our guy who's getting dinged, but um, I, I guess that's where I stood well, on Well, I think that's the frustrating thing, right? Is like we've seen so many similar plays receive lesser punishment, and of course it's our guy that, that gets slapped. Now, as I said on Twitter, if this helps set a new precedent for – you know, supplemental discipline for future cross-checking incidents that, you know, it was a vicious play. It was a suspendable play. Like, no question about it. It's just when you talk about it in relation to other similar incidents, I think that's where the frustration stems from, like for me and, and other fans, I would say. But yeah, if, if this is, you know, the, the new standard going forward, then I have no problem with it. I just very much doubt that that will be the case. Yeah. And, and like, there's a couple of things I think that, that factor into it as well, that, that, make it i guess you can see the logic behind it but also make it more like even that much more frustrating because of the inconsistency but it's like if there ever was a time to course correct you know outdoor game nationally broadcasted on two you know in both countries like front and center everybody's going to be talking about it like that doesn't slip through the cracks like uh you know mark uh, no they had the fucking hearing schedule the half hour after it was it felt like less that like that doesn't slip through the cracks like a, a Marcus Foligno knee on on a Thursday night in Minnesota or something like the, it, it 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 just already natural and then you have like the hockey night can a panel breaking it down from every possible angle that doesn't and, and again like to echo what you said like I'm not excusing the act it was a stupid play it was a dangerous play it was a, like a frustrated moment that I'm sure he wished that he didn't do absolutely but you if you compared it to precedent. It's a fine. Yeah. If you can, if you, if you asked me what I thought was going to happen or what, what should happen, I, I, I would have said a game. That's what I thought too. I think two games is too much. I, I, I and, and 
like even to put my Maple Leaf hat on for a moment too, I think what becomes even more frustrating as a Leafs fan is how many, you know, knees and stuff have we seen not get suspended this year and Spezza gets four games for his. Like it just feels like there's been some heavy handed uh, discipline come down to the Leafs. And again, maybe I shouldn't have a Leafs hat on. It should be a tinfoil hat, but it's, it's, it kind of sucks, I guess, when when it when you look around and you see these acts happen around the league, and it's a fine, and it's a fine, it's a game or whatever, and then you know multi games both times that there's something that happens happens with the Leafs. I don't know. It just it 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 made it that much harder to swallow, I guess. Well, suspension aside, I do have to say that I didn't mind that out of Matthews. Like, obviously, yeah. you don't want to see yeah. him try to hurt someone, or you don't want to see anyone getting hurt. But just the fact that he was that you know had that much anger flowing through him at that moment and was willing to push back and, and you could see the frustration boiling over i i think that's a good sign for the leafs yeah i i mean i would have probably rather that he he just dropped his gloves and ragdolled them or something yeah. right but um you're that pissed off in, in the moment and you know your goaltender's letting in everything that's under like gets thrown at him you you factor in what happened a few nights before in the in the coyotes game it just boiled over and, and he, I'm sure he fucking rage blacked out for a second and he did something stupid and I'm not, none of us are trying to excuse what he did. It's just the fact that you, you absolutely wish that you, you, there was some consistency in this, but again, like you guys both had said, if this is the course correction and this is how it had to happen and it, you know, potentially helps out with, you know, f- further and it, it curbs any kind of headshots in the future. Awesome. It just sucks that it has to happen to the best player in the league. See, I, th- I think that that's kind of the thing for me is like, I, I mean, it goes without saying, I don't think this is a course correction. I think they're yeah. always one offs. Yeah. Like, I, and I think that this part of this predates Paros, right? Yeah. Like there has never been any, any um, good that has come of a fan sitting there and, and and trying to look. Okay, what's the precedent for the suspension? What are the Doesn't what are matter. the comparables? <laughs> it, it's never been that way ever since I've been a hockey fan. It, it's like it, it's a completely new world month to month, depending on what's happened in the time since. Right? Like it, it's it's completely uh, you know case by case. And I agree that the Spetsa one was was like incredibly heavy handed in this case here. I just kind of thought, um, you know, looking at it from the perspective and I guess like obviously a lot of inconsistency with these decisions, but looking at it from a certain perspective um, and trying to find the consistency to me is that with Peros and I mean, arguably with any of the heads of this department for the last number of times, but especially with Peros right now, it seems to be like, the the default is he doesn't want to suspend anyone, but if there's heat on him and if, if the situation is obvious that he, he's got to do it, basically, you know, depending on what the media and fan pressure is like mm-hmm. around the incident and, um, you know, the game situation, like, you, you know, I think that Matthews had a lot working against him in terms of it was like the shift right after they, they went down four two and the game was pretty much out of reach the way the Leafs were playing there. Um, and, and, you know, it's the frustration boiling over. It's like the retaliation element of it late in the game, um, uh, you know, outdoor game. It, it, sh- it should be noted that, you know, 
yeah, Matthews retaliated, but you could argue that Darlene was retaliating before that Forget because Matthews did a pretty good run at him. Yeah, he, he hammered him pretty good just before that. So I, I think you can play the retaliation card both ways there. But yeah, sorry, continue. Sure, but like I don't think that the the Darlene play was suspendable. So yeah, you know yeah. that's that's not what they're going to be looking at. You're you're looking at it from the perspective of Matthews just took a lick. He got up. And he planted a cross check into a guy's throat. You know, it's not it's not what he intended to do, I don't think. But I mean, ultimately, I looked at it and like I didn't see any any world where that was going to be just a fine. Um, I just the the circumstances surrounding it, the player who was doing it. I, I just I wasn't entirely surprised at all. I, I thought it could have been three. I just to, to me, the player that's doing it should factor in. Like, I, I, I don't understand why we use these terms repeat offender if that doesn't mean anything like what you're talking about a guy who's been who's gotten lady bing votes lady bing every year like reg has never has been often yeah it meant meant less than nothing for spezza yeah exactly like it it meant less than nothing Mm, for spezza you know you can consider how much longer of a career spezza's had and and been clean throughout um yeah it it seems like one of the most well-respected guys in the game never you know has never been viewed as as a dirty player ever in his career and then you have guys. History who are seems known. to mean nothing except for calculating the amount of the fine. At I this guess point. the retaliation part of it, or whatever. But it, it, like in both cases, it was clear retaliation. But like fuck, like it's just. I don't know. I feel like that that whole thing about yeah, you you have a clean record. You're a guy that's not like has a good reputation as as not being a dirty player, as not being anybody that's you know been involved in in any kind of supplemental discipline ever before, and then you know. You, you do one thing and you get a multi-game suspension it, it, for something that had been done has been done a dozen times this year and gotten a gotten a fine. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, Callie Yankrock to the Flames. Breaking shit, news. Here. I was just going to mention him as a guy I might want. <laughs> so the trade deadline is coming up on Monday. Um, we want to talk a little bit about you know potential targets. We we like to do that a lot. In fact. Um, going to play you some some audio now from from past shows okay because uh there's there's been a kind of a trend here with the podcast that i I thought we should address and maybe um i don't know maybe nick you'll have something to say about it here once once we hear these these clips um before the trade deadline um obviously a big few days ahead here for uh this team so let's let's go all the way back first to the summertime and uh podcast where we had our friend Rahef on talking about some um, some of the potential targets for the Leafs heading into free agency. I'm surprised nobody brought up uh, um, uh, bunting. It's an intriguing case of free agency at a pretty young age and a pretty good season, albeit super small sample size. Like I, I don't know. He's an intriguing case for me to watch. This offseason, I'm, I'm curious what kind of number he's going to get. Yeah, Michael Bunting. I, I, I was figuring you were going to bring it up, Keith. So I was waiting for that. For that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've had him, I've had I've had him on my on most of my armchair GM mockups just because I don't know like what the hell is he going to get? Like he's coming off a seven hundred thousand dollar contract. What did he play? How many games did he play? Um, I think it's important to note that uh, Michael Bunting is not from Newfoundland, even though it sounds like he should be. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he had nine, he's, he had nineteen points in sixteen games this year. So like, what the hell does that mean, right? So like, <laughs> he's not going to get a lot of money, but that's something. Like, I, I 
you know, be pretty cute. Oh, sorry. Hang on. I said that wrong. <laughs> that was his AHL numbers from this year. He I had- was going to say, holy shit, who is this guy? I have no <laughs> fucking clue who Michael Bunting is. Okay. And now we're going to hear um, a clip from, from yours truly. This was from a few weeks ago when we were talking about, you know, some trade targets kind of in the early going as, as some of the speculation started to, uh, started to ramp up there. I'm just going to throw out a couple of names. One of them is kind of piggy, piggybacking off of you, Keith, a little bit. I think that you mentioned this guy and, and sent along his, uh, his charts. Uh, Ilya Lubushkin from uh, the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, just a 27-year-old defenseman who, you know, has got Got a bit of edge, good defensive impacts. Um, tried to catch a little bit of a Coyotes game recently to get a look at him, and and I mean, not surprisingly, they were in in their own zone uh, a lot of the time when he was on the <laughs> yeah, ice. Which it's hard to kind of judge when it's the Coyotes, you know. But um, I mean, it seemed like a just a, a good net front presence, physicality kind of guy. Like I, I, I don't want to spend any you know great amount of assets getting one of those guys, but I, I do want someone who brings a little bit more um just a, a little more physicality so we, we've got a couple of of examples of some names specifically names from the arizona coyotes being being proffered on this podcast and um i just wanted to open the floor now to our friend nick now that you know we've, we've heard keith weigh in on michael bunting and myself on Ilya labushkin um Nick, is is there anything you would like to 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 say to add? Well, you know what, I think that young defenseman they've got down there in Arizona, Shikrin, uh, Jacob Shikrin. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe that's that's the one. Yeah, it's an off the bo- off the board pick, though. I like that. Yeah, that, I don't think there's many people talking about him, but you know, he looks like a pretty enticing young player. He's signed for a really good number. I don't think anyone's talking about how valuable that contract could be. Uh, it seems like someone that Arizona should be trying to get out from under, you know, with the way that things have gone for them down there this season. I don't see why they would want to hang on to a player like like this. Uh, I think the Leafs should be all over that if that's the kind of guy you can bring in. All right. We'll put it out there into the universe. Thank you. Um, Worth a I, shot. I think, <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's important that we try to... <laughs> Try to, you know, prove one way or another whether we've got anything here, whether this is if we've got something cooking here, I want to know what it is. So appreciate it. Let's let's see what happens over the next week. But uh, taking a look at, I mean, some of some of the names that are being kicked around out there um, and especially taking a look at the prices, um, looking at the Colorado Avalanche and what they just gave up for Josh Manson. That that is not the price that was being rumored in the lead up. Um, that is not a price that I would have even thought. You know, even without the salary retention, I, I, I thought that that was kind of a light price. Well, listen here, guys, we're about to have another market setting deal for defensemen because Ben Sherratt's going to Florida. There, no. all right. So, Thank goodness. And we'll probably get. We'll probably yeah. <laughs> we'll probably get there now, Nick. Sorry to hear that, but. Um, <laughs> uh, that's, that's quite all right. um, we're probably going to get another I think another I'll, price here, I'll, though. I'll manage. <laughs> Once we see the uh, return on that, but I mean, I know, like, if that if that uh, Manson deal is kind of a, a sign of things to come of what you know rentals are going to cost this year, I think that's a good thing for the buyers of the world because that, that wasn't a bad deal. I would have I would have been okay, totally okay with that if you do the you know uh whatever you know the, the kind of the leafs version of that trade would be i could live with that yeah th- well th- there's the thing that i want to say is like you know the whole build up to the trade deadline we've all seen these articles you know 
forecasting potential trades and you know who says no this and that and it seems like it, you know, a lot of it's been building up these exorbitant costs right like you're talking about getting John Klingberg and having to send Matthew Nyes and Topi Nimala and a first round pick like it's just ridiculous right and immediately after the Manson trade and don't get me wrong Drew Hellison is a very nice prospect but immediately everyone jumps to well that's Topi Nimala in a second and I just like I don't think so <laughs> like Drew Hellison is a very good prospect but Topi Nimala is a very very good prospect and it just seems like immediately it's right back to trying to pump up the the value from the the Leafs point of view and I'm thinking it's probably closer to like a Nick Abruzzesi or a Roni Hervin in, in a second for that Manson deal to be the equivalent, like to, to get the Leafs equivalent. Um, yeah, if that's if those are the prices that are, are that the rental defensemen are going for right now, I think you've definitely got to be calling up Anaheim and asking about Hampus Lindholm. You know, if they just shipped Josh Manson out, it seems like you know that they're kind of looking towards the future. Lindholm is an, uh, a pending free agent this off season. He's got a, over a $5 million cap hit, but it, with retention and stuff, you can make that work. And as you said, it, it, retaining half of Manson's contract didn't seem to put the price really over the top in that deal. So I, I think Lindholm probably costs a bit more. You might be looking at a Topi Nimala and, and maybe even a higher pick there for that player, but he's definitely someone I'd be calling about. Yeah, I, I would. He's, he'd be high on my list too. I I've recently warmed up to uh, maybe it's seeing Riley and the Bush can play together, but recently warmed up to Giordano and Brody reunion on the back end for the Leafs. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I I've still been kind of like, I've had 19 different targets. Like I can't make up my mind. I want Scott Mayfield. I want, there's, there's all kinds of guys that are out there that I, I think. And I, I've said this, I think I said this on the, the pod where you talked about Labushkin cam which is just it's it's not about necessarily for me like going out and getting a huge huge splash it's about just steadily improving what's already there and and as it stands right now justin hall is probably still going to be in the lineup for game one so if you know it's just about finding somebody that that slots in that's uh, that's better than him right now And, and there's there's a half a dozen guys right you know on that trade bait board on tsn that that do that so it's going to be interesting to see who they who they kind of go out and get but i think you're right nick the, the, the dream's probably lindholm yeah i'd like lindholm a lot and, and just sticking with anaheim i'm going to mention a forward um don't know what the cost yeah. would be he's kind of having a down year ricard raquel um that definitely I, changes the dynamic up front if you can bring in a player like that whew. yeah he, he would be a, a real boost to this lineup and you, a guy you could play anywhere um yeah i, I would like that a lot and I don't, I don't know if the cost would be very high for him um cap hit of you know 3.8 million um if you can get them to retain on that that's that would be a really nice addition to your your forward group which is already kind of looking a little crowded but you know you gotta you gotta have depth and you gotta account for you know possibly some injuries and i think that they could use another forward to to kind of bolster things a little bit it certainly wouldn't hurt um Another name that's kind of been thrown around quite a bit is Brandon Hagel from Chicago, who who still has a couple of years left. He wouldn't be a rental. He's a young guy. He's 23. 21 um, goals this year. Yeah, having a fantastic season. It, presumably going to be a very high price. First plus, 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 plus. Yeah, that's that's going to be a lot. But if you could throw my guy DeHaan in there and make that work, <laughs> get two birds stoned. But. <laughs> 
Yeah. Now, I think Hagel would be a really nice target for this team, but as you guys both said, the the price is going to be pretty high. You would think a 23-year-old who's got two years left after this at $1.5 who's already got 21 goals this season, that sure is an enticing player to to kind of forecast into the Leafs lineup right now, um, especially kind of the way things have gone for Tavares and Nylander in the last little while. But yeah, the the price is going to be really high there. I think you probably get a guy like Raquel for less and it, maybe you get the same kind of output. Just uh, taking a look at a few of the other names on the TSN trade bait board that, you know, guys I wouldn't mind. Um, Colin Blackwell, kind of like him in, in Seattle. He's been solid the last couple of seasons and could really add something kind of on your on your fourth line. Good depth there. Um if, you know, if you want to go goaltending, I think that the only guy I would really be interested in is, um, and he's not on this list, but Forsberg in, in Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, Anton Forsberg. I mean, that's, I just, I think you're in this situation. We kind of talked about it before. Like, are you really banking on anyone that you're bringing from outside the organization to be better than what you have already inside, or at least the potential of what they could be already inside your organization. They'll certainly be better than they have been. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, what are you going to get out of these guys the rest of the way? And is it better to pay out the, to, to bring in a guy or, or just try to, you know, ride it out and hope that these guys turn it around. But I think it's um, easier to justify when the guy is only making 750 on the cap and it doesn't really preclude you from making other or making other salaries fit. You know, it's going to cost you some assets or whatever to, to bring that guy in, but it doesn't really change your calculus on the salary cap. So I think that would be the, the really only target that I think makes sense for the Leafs if they're looking to add in goal. So who do we want nothing to do with on the other side of the ledger here? Because um, we, we, kind of talked about this i think last last year i didn't really want anything to do with nick felino the Leafs went out and got nick felino i kind of waffled on my opinion a little bit and then i wish i just stuck to it because he sucked uh <laughs> who do we want nothing to do with because i'll let you guys go because the guy that i wanted nothing to do with he just got moved to yeah. florida as, as keith let us know <laughs> still, was, was still waiting say. on the return for ben Sherat, but um that that was mine so so what do you guys got on that i one? mean nick you, is yours domi you could you can run with that <laughs> Uh, you guys got beef yeah no apparently max doesn't like (laughs) me i I guess old max does some name searching on twitter um i mean i said to you guys i could probably be convinced to talk myself into max domi but you know looking at this list he's definitely the the least appealing name you know at least at the top of the board on the uh, on that tsn trade bait list uh honestly there's a lot of players on this page that I think would be nice additions for the Leafs. You're looking down the list of guys like Andrew Kopp or Nick Paul. You know, those are guys that you could picture fitting into the Leafs lineup. Um, also, it's been rumored the Leafs have had some interest in Tyler Mott out of Vancouver. As far as guys that I, I wouldn't really want anything to do with, um, I don't know, maybe Robert Hag. <laughs> you got to go pretty far down the list to to get to his name. Um, yeah, there's not really anyone that stands out to me uh, on the top part of this list that I don't think would make the Leafs better. Yeah, that's that's the thing is I guess if you're you know this is obviously all cost associated and, and relative and stuff like that, but there's a lot of names on this trade this this list that I I would like and that I think are a good fit too. But I mean, God, I don't know. Like 
I don't want anything to do with like Petrie, obviously, just because it's contract. He's a good player, but I, I just don't see how that works with the Leafs. Or I don't know. Let's say Mark Stahl. I don't get get him out of there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good one. That's a good fair one. It, it's, it seems like the Leafs are looking at a lot of different things, right? Uh, there's obviously holes all over the roster. Um, you, you want a defenseman. You want a forward to add to that group. And ideally, you'd like to bring in some stability and goal. It's really going to be interesting to see what Dubas is able to pull off in the next few days before the deadline. It looks like they aren't going to be u- able to use uh, Jake Muzzin's LTIR salary, although uh, he has been ramping up his activities, practice with the team for the first time on uh, Wednesday, I believe, or Tuesday. And uh, Keith did say today that he, they expect Muzzin to take a step back just to keep things safe and that his return isn't imminent. So uh, that is a still a little bit up in the air, but I, I think it's really hard to project, you know, six weeks down the line, whether or not Muzzin's going to be healthy enough to return. And I, I think the, the league will probably be watching how the Leafs handle this pretty closely. Um, it, it's not like a, a hip injury or a knee injury that has like a defined timeline that you can sort of justify to the league that you're going to use that space, right? So I think that's going to be something really tricky for them to navigate. But th- there are some questions to answer on this in this lineup in the next couple of days. Uh, I think Dubas has got his work cut out for him. Just before we wrap up our uh, our trade chat, we've got that uh, return for Ben Sherratt. Um First rounder in 2023, a fourth this year's draft, and Ty Smolonic, uh 74th overall pick in 2020 going back to the Habs in return for Ben Sherratt. So everything Yeesh. we just said about the uh, rental yeah. market being set by the Josh Manson deal, fucking forget it. Yeah. <laughs> Retained salary, 50% as well. Um, like what's Hampus Lindholm going to get? Yeah, I'm really surprised. Like, I guess it's difficult to judge these deals off of one another, but it is uh, initially it's a bit surprising that Sherratt got that kind of return when you look at what Manson – I guess – Manson might have been able to kind of control his destination a little more. I think he had a partial no trade or, or a full no trade. True. Yeah. Um, so maybe that kind of limited the market a little bit. Uh, I, there's all kinds of different things that play into these deals. But yeah, that's a it's a bit of a startling return on Sherratt, you know, at first glance. Shout, and shout, out, to, shout out to our guy T here feeding us info on the, on the Facebook chat. Good job, buddy. T's always got us, yeah. He's holding us down. Um, Give him a producer yeah. credit. <laughs> producer yeah, that's team. right. This is run with that from now on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how these prices develop over the next few days. So we'll uh, we'll be all over it next week. Whatever happens. Um, well, uh, you know, I'm going to go back on the Sherratt thing here. I know you gave me hell about saying I wouldn't mind, you know, acquiring him um, at that price. I am very glad that we didn't pay up. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty. That's costly. No, no thanks at all. Um, wanted to just quickly mention the uh, Paralympic sled hockey gold medal was awarded a few days ago. The Americans won their fourth in a row over Canada. Um, I, I, I've kind of come to enjoy sled hockey. I called an event in, in Bridgewater a few, I don't know, like five, six years ago now, World Sledge Hockey Challenge. And uh, man, these guys are gamers just unbelievable how tough these dudes are and (laughs) um 
really fun to watch. Like the game is is obviously quite different. It's it's really interesting to, to kind of to call a game and just to watch and kind of see like the the different movement and like the way that like guys regroup differently compared to to NHL. Like I, I honestly I felt like I learned a lot watching like these top sled hockey guys and the way they think the game and like the way you can kind of apply it across like uh, the stand up stand up hockey as they call it. Um, you know, it's, it's really, really interesting. Love the sport. Um, do yourself a favor. I don't know if, if you know, uh, Nick, I know, I, th- I feel like you've maybe followed a little bit of this, um, but uh, w- what I need you to do is, is go to YouTube and punch in Brody Roybal, uh, R-O-Y-B-A-L. He plays for the Americans and like he is, he's just shot out of a cannon every single time he's on the ice. He, he's he's a madman. Um, so much fun to watch. Yeah, that is a really fun sport to watch. Like, like, and you said it. Like, hockey's a tough game anyway, but those guys are on another, like, a totally different level. They're just balls to the walls. It's it's a really entertaining sport. I definitely recommend you know checking it out if it's something that you haven't really been able to get into before. Yeah, that American program is just too good. Um. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch. And just before we wrap up, let's let's talk a little bit of uh, other sports. We're, we're going to do something, I think, a little more for Patreon because there's so much other stuff going on. Tom Brady's back. We didn't even get to talk about the fact that he fucking retired in the first place. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we got uh, NHL trade deadline, NFL free agency, this crazy transaction window in oh, yeah. baseball coming back right before you know the season's supposed to go, and a bunch of guys still don't have teams, and there's players that are supposed to get traded it's haywire right now it's wild blue jays making moves they they picked up uh matt chapman third baseman from the uh the oakland a's and um seem to be in on a lot of other stuff too uh keith what what are your thoughts kind of so far on on what the jays have done i mean if you look at it as a whole and what they did before the the lockout and adding gosman to the to what they've been doing lately and then just I mean, even like taking solace in the fact that they're in on a lot of other guys, whether they got them or not. Like I've just, I've really come to like Shapiro and Atkins and, and their, their vision for the team. But I mean, strictly evaluating, I mean, what they pulled in Freeman would, and I don't necessarily know, like they're clearly not like out. Like I've seen a couple of reports saying like, yeah, they're, they're they have not ruled themselves out, makes it a lot less feasible and, and likely that it's going to happen. But from a baseball lineup structural fit, it didn't really make sense to bring him in. Flatty seemed to have found a home at first. Could he shift back to third? Yeah, maybe. Is that going to fuck with his head on you know hitting uh, and and what you got out of him offensively? Maybe, likely. So like, leave him at first. You know, do you really want to pay a guy like Freeman to come in and be a DH platoon? Probably not. So from a fit standpoint, Matt Chapman is incredible. They the third base was by far their weakest spot. Do you want to pay him to come in and not be a Red Sox? That's See, that's, you, that's the that's, thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it seems like now it seems like the Red Sox are out, and and I feel like what sucks even more is that there's a lot of smoke around the Rays now too, which is insane to think the Rays are going to go out and buy the biggest free agent in the market, but. Yeah, I mean, Matt Chapman's glove is going to win the Jays games, and that's a position that lost the Jays games last year. So uh, the, the fit of it is is perfect, but um, there definitely, you know, was a, a bit of a, like of a bittersweetness to it when you realize that it maybe meant no Freeman. But now I'm completely hyped up on on Ramirez anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> the Chapman edition is really exciting. I think you kind of outlined it a bit there, Keith. Uh, his glove is just 
it's something that is going to be a game changer for this team. And it, it's almost like an added investment in Ryu. I, I don't know if you guys saw some saw of those, those charts those floating around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. Hunjin Ryu led Major League Baseball in ground balls induced to third base last season. So, you know, I think it was uh, Ross Atkins or, or Shapiro. I can't recall which one had the quote today, but it, it's going to be nice for you to look over and see a wall standing over there at third base. So I, I don't think you can underestimate that aspect of the deal as well. It, it just it, it lines up so well fit wise to bring that guy in and lock down that spot on the diamond. And I think that you can probably count on a, a bit of a resurgence with the bat as well. Like he's coming from Oakland, and he's going to be playing in all these AL East parks. He's going to have way more support in this Blue Jays lineup than he's ever had in Oakland. Uh, I just really, really happy with that trade and with the with what they had to give up. I, I don't think it was too bad of a price to pay either for a player like that who's under control for another year beyond this they gave up but what was is hoagland like there was their number four prospect five i think four or five anyway yeah. you know that's like the 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 main piece in the trade yeah there's some upside there but hoagland's also a guy who's had some injury troubles and he i think he's missed like two entire seasons out of the last four so you know that's there's a lot of uncertainty still in his projection. So I think if that's the main piece that you're sending out of town to bring in an impact player like Matt Chapman, it, it's it's hard to scoff at that. Couldn't give a shit about Kevin Smith like that. I mean, I'm sure he's a nice yeah, guy, it, but he's 25 years old. You don't like old. clerks? <laughs> yeah, man. Not a big fan of the uh, of I, I, the fact. There's a name of like the universe of his movies. Can't think of it. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Chapman was. I think his like zip projection zips projection is like 30 home runs in oakland like that's got to be grossed up to at least 35 37 playing in the al east like that's and, and the lineup like the insulation of the lineup too like who, who are you going to pitch to you know if you have to like him or him or vladdy like it's it's insane where, where he's what how that lengthens the lineup and doesn't seem like they're done that's that's the other part yeah i, I think you hit on it too when you said it's just encouraging that they're seem to be in on all of these different things like you know the, the Blue Jays are are playing like the big boys that they they should are, be. and that's, this be. is what we've yeah, this is what we've all wanted for a long time. I know there was a lot of people that were skeptical early on in the Atkins and Shapiro the regime or or whatever you want to call it, it that they didn't really support this vision and they didn't trust that they were going to bring in the pieces required when the time came. But I mean, they've definitely put their money where their mouth is in the last couple of seasons. Quick question: Is Jose Ramirez a switch hitter? He is. All right. Didn't need to get more excited, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm getting pumped for this season too. Yeah, uh, it's been a steady climb ever since I, I read about um, Vladdy and Bo and whoever else uh, taking BP right at the start of camp to uh, I want to dance with somebody. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. a great track. Very, very likable team. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, first pitch for sure. Uh, Nick, quick reaction on the Bills signing Von Ooh. Miller because you were stoked on this just before we started to record. <laughs> yeah, I think we uh, kind of had to delay recording for a couple of minutes because the, <laughs> the Von Miller news was just breaking as we were going to get started here tonight. But uh, I mean, I haven't had a chance to see. I don't know if like the the details on the contract have come out since we've started uh, recording here this evening. But uh, initially. Like yeah, that's a that's a hefty contract. It's six years for a guy who's already thirty two years old, one hundred twenty two million. I don't know what the guarantees are on that, but just from a uh, simply like the roster makeup point of view, like I'm over the moon with this addition. Uh, I think the, the Bills had 
one of the best defenses in football last year as it was and that was without getting much pass rush so to bring in a guy i know he's not the von miller of five years ago necessarily but he's still going to be such a huge step up in terms of generating some heat on the opposing quarterbacks for us i think i'm just i'm thrilled with the signing any bear stuff you wanted to hit keith before you wind up i think it's pretty clear that ryan poles hated his team that he he and you know uh took over (laughs) as as gm for um yeah go i mean clean house like like what are you gonna do put a band-aid on it and win nine games next year like i i have no issues with with what they've done would you rather them do what the jaguars seem to be trying to do right now like what the hell is going on down there yeah i mean i mean i understand building your team around your franchise quarterback you know first overall pick and all that stuff i get that but like with zay jones yeah i know and and overpaying (laughs) christian kirk or whatever like it seems like uh it seems like there's some weird contracts floating around and i'm glad that the bears are avoiding getting in because like that's that's probably arguably their biggest need right now is at wide receiver and and there's been some wacky contracts so go draft one draft one this is supposed to be a very deep wide receiver draft they have two seconds you know spend one of those on a on a wide receiver probably spend another one on a cornerback they yeah i mean the, the thing i'm taking away from it is if you look at like i mean Bilal nichols is gone obviously cleo max traded they're, they're they're overhauling the team and there's probably three or four guys that I could say safely say that they, you know, wouldn't move. And, and it seems like there everybody else's could be shaken out. And it, there's a specific type of player that he seems to be targeting, which is hard hitting, like fast, aggressive players, which is exactly how I build my team in Madden. So I'm all for it. <laughs> that's, that's what we want to hear. Um, <laughs> let's let's wind her down then um next time we get together we will basically know the team that will go into the playoffs for the maple leafs so fingers crossed for the next few days gents get your shitting pants on hold on to your butts (laughs) 